tired. So tired. Overtired. You are listening to Overtired with Brett Terpstra and me, Christina Warren. What's up, Brett? Oh, that was a really good intro. Like, I feel like we finally are getting like the order of words right. I know, finally. It's only taken uh, like close to 100 episodes. But hey, we've, we've done it. We, we, we have learned how to how to talk. That's an important thing. English. English. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, well rested. How are you? Uh, I am also fairly well rested, although uh, I don't want to get straight into health corner, but <laughs> but I, I had like a I had some anxiety stuff last night, so I had to take a clonopin. So that makes the whole like wake up thing a little more difficult. But other than that, I'm good. I'm good. And I mean, by and large, I, I can't be too mad. It's 11-11. Great day. It, it, it's officially a Constantine day for something corporate fans. That will absolutely not make sense to anyone in our audience whatsoever. Do not care. Uh, but it's also, more importantly, the day before my birthday. So this oh, is actually, yeah. Jeez, happy birthday. I'm sure they, Facebook you, would have notified me of that tomorrow, but it's it's... Oh, and this, and I'm a dumbass. It is it is not eleven eleven. It is eleven ten. So it'll be eleven eleven tomorrow, and then Thursday is my birthday. This See, will this go is, out. This will go out on eleven eleven. This is true. So yeah. So so the day after this goes out, everyone should just inundate me with um, uh, birthday wishes of Tom Fullery and say, Christina, congratulations! You are you are twenty nine for an nth time. Twenty nine. I remember twenty nine. Me oh my too. God. That's why I'm. That's why I'm never turning thirty. Yeah, <laughs> I was twenty one for years. I got my I got my fake ID at like nineteen, and yeah. I was, and then like after I was actually twenty one, I kept getting a fake ID to say I was twenty one for a couple more years because I had this <laughs> whole Peter Pan thing. I'm like, I'm gonna be twenty one forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's me with twenty nine. Although my fake ID. So I got it when I was 16 and I just got it to say that I was 18 because I was trying to get into some like 18 and up shows. Like I wasn't yeah. actually trying to drink. I was just trying to get into some shows. Well, the thing is, is that that ID then suddenly became a year 21 ID right around the time I went to college. <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah. Um, okay. So enough illegal ID talk. <laughs> um, have you heard the news about uh, who, what's his name, uh, Joe Biden? Uh, that he won. Uh, won something? What was it? I, I think it's I think it's president of the local commerce. No, president of the United States. That's it. Right, 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 right. Um, people are saying that it wasn't as decisive a victory as they they hoped for. But seriously, in an incumbent election, yeah, it was it was pretty decisive. Uh, agreed. I mean, the thing is, is that I will say, and I, okay, a, I think that we have now been proven we can no longer listen to Nate Silver, right? Like that's number one. Uh, and I like Nate Silver a lot, but his models for the last two cycles have been completely off. And um, uh, this other podcast I listened to, this guy, and I don't, I listen to this podcast, even though I really don't agree with either of the two hosts, but they say things sometimes that are provocative and 
like purposefully trollish, which I appreciate. Um, and and this this guy was trying to argue that oh well, just being off like three and a half or four percent isn't that big of a deal. And I was like literally screaming listening to this because I was like. Okay, anybody with even a modicum amount of statistical knowledge will know that, yes, actually, that is a big deal. Like, that's pretty isn't, significant. Isn't Nate Silver's, aren't his models, like, basically meta polls, though? I mean, isn't it a case of bad data in? Yes, it is a, a case of bad data in, but um, that doesn't mean that the models themselves aren't still flawed if your data is bad. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Honestly, like I, I, I tried because I, I tried to rationalize him being wrong four years ago and now and it's kind of one of those things. And I'm like, OK, if you're not getting good data, that's obviously a really big problem. And clearly and it's not just him. It's all of the pollsters. They're not getting good data. People won't talk to them. I've, t I've I've listened to interviews with with pollsters and they're like, yeah, uh, the number of calls they have to make to even get somebody to pick up the phone right. is ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, it makes sense. Because whenever I get a, a phone call from, like, unknown number, like, I don't answer. Well, and then but Nate Silver and others, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, talked about the shy Trump voters. Yes. And how that that was probably a big enough population to sway things. These people that are going to vote for Trump but don't want to admit it to anybody. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and I and I like am completely 100 percent on board with being like, yes, all of these things are issues and are part of it. That said, that doesn't change the underlying problem, which is that the data is bad. Well, models by extension are flawed. Also, anyone trusting the polls going into this? I mean, we all said we didn't. We, we, all, all did. we all hoped. Sure. But anyone who actually had faith in the polling uh, after 2016 was severely uh, misguided. I mean, I would agree with that. Uh, but I think that what happened is, is that just, well, okay, I think two things happened. One, Silver was so incredibly precise in 2008, right? Like that was, yeah. that was the year that he became like, he was at the New York Times then, I believe. Golden boy, so, yeah. Golden boy, like, I mean, because he was like dead on like there were some places where he like had the counts even like correctly like he had everything correct he moves on to do 538 his own thing and again really really accurate and and then 2016 was just a blowout in the other direction and it was just a massive failure for a lot of reasons that um if i and i have friends who work at 538 and they get really defensive and and try to kind of come up with excuses and i'm like you guys were just wrong, whether it was your model, whether it was your data, whatever it was. There is no way that you can explain 2016 in any way other than you got it wrong. It, it's just, you know, it, it didn't work. And then I think with 2020, even though a lot of us were definitely at that point, and I certainly was at that point where I never really believed the polling. And I was always really nervous because I'm like the pessimist in all of this always. Um, you start to hear it enough and enough that it does start to seep in yeah. and you do start to almost accept it as an inevitability. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, I was, I was prepared for it to be wrong, but as much as I prepared, I knew that if Trump had won this, I would have been just emotionally devastated. I don't know. Yes. I, I would not be able to record today if Trump no, had absolutely. won. Absolutely. 
No, without a doubt. It was one of those things. And honestly, I was having major, I was talking to my shrink about this last week where I was having like, you know, just like we talked about, like, you know, PTSD, like kind of, you know, memory kind of flashbacks of emotional times. And, and he was talking about types of memory and types of emotions. And he was telling me all the reasons why psychologically what I'm feeling was completely normal and whatnot. And, um, yeah, because because it was going back to that place. And so when the polls started coming in and it started looking like that, that was that was the thing. And, and it didn't help. Um, I actually I like MSNBC. I, ha I could not watch MSNBC on election night um, at all. I gave like up it, on MSNBC. Yeah, like, like because, because they they became diluted to a point where I was like, you are not helping. I gave up on Honestly. CNN too. It's not like fake news. Like I don't buy into that at all. But it's um, it's like reverse sycophantic. Yeah. Although I did think that actually on election night, CNN did a really good job. Um, I thought that John King was did you, uh, uh, was a bamf. Did you watch news on election night? I did. I, I had refused. To. There was no I, point. Like, I knew nothing was going to be decided on election night and everything was going to – there would be a red mirage and I just didn't want to deal with it. I figured I'll wait a couple of days and then check in. No, totally. No, but I was just at this point where I was like I, – and, and I ended up taking uh, Wednesday off because I got so stressed out by everything that I was like I have a lot of outstanding PTO um, that if I don't use, I lose. So, uh, like, I have something like like 14 days that I have to take between now and the end of the year, in addition to the vacation that I've been given, the way that it works is you can only roll over a certain amount. And I basically, you know, if you don't take it, you lose it. And so I have so much vacation time that if I were to take all of it, I would be out for like a month and a half. And that would be awesome, but that's obviously not tenable. So um, I just have to, you know, take care of the stuff that is going to expire um, first. And so I've, I, I took yesterday off. I'm taking Thursday off because that's my birthday. I took last Wednesday off and I'll be doing a couple of other things until, you know, December when I, I do kind of a proper, you know, vacation or whatever, but, um, or staycation because I'm not going anywhere. But yeah, no, I was watching and I do have to say from my perspective, and some people might disagree with me, I did think that, that like John King did a really good job. Uh, people criticized him for saying that the, 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 the numbers were fun I get it. I mean, okay, maybe like that's not the perfect phrasing, but when he gets to be on his big map and and do all of the the stat stuff, that's his favorite time of the year. Like, I'm not going to take that away from Sean King. Like, he genuinely <laughs> loves to do that, and he's good at it. Like, he's not a Steve Kornecki who is, you know, like totally nerding out about it in a different way but john king invented the form grant and i got in a debate about this uh, grant was like no steve kredecki created this i'm like uh no dude john john king invented the whole like magic wall thing like you can go back they used to use the surface devices that were on a table like like no it 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 it, it goes back earlier than that but um yeah, I, I, I had to watch, but and it got better as time went on, which I think was the thing, but it was just really stressful. And then the most stressful part was watching the Georgia returns come in, which then was a multi-day process. Yeah. Well, which, uh, wow. So that leads us to the other side of this conversation. Yes. Um, the 
so there there are often there are always let's say since at least at least since 2000 there are always legal teams waiting to to do to ensure that everything is fair to their side and uh the thing about this time is these lawsuits that the trump campaign is bringing are completely (laughs) inept like they're coming before courts with zero evidence and they're coming with fucking post-it notes and hearsay and and they're zero for five on the big uh, uh, the big lawsuits they've tried to bring about l- election fraud. They've had a couple of small victories that have garnered them a hundred votes here and there, but this is the least adept uh, coup that this country has ever seen, and maybe the the world. I don't want to. I, I sound like Trump. It was the 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 least inept anyone's ever seen. A lot of people are saying. <laughs> But the the only reason that we're not facing like an autocratic fascist right now is because he's fucking stupid. No, I agree. I mean, that's the thing. So so when Fox News called it for Arizona and they called it at 73 percent and look, they ultimately ended up being right. Um, I, I don't know how their numbers work. I don't know how those decision desks things work. Me personally probably wouldn't call it 73 percent in a tight state but just because there'd be nothing worse than having to 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 call it and then and then go back to too early to call which is what they did in 2000 um but you know fox called it and then apparently um what happened i guess they had they had hope hicks get on the phone with with Raj, some senior guy at Fox News that she hired when she was at Fox News. And they had Trump reaching out to people. And then they had freaking um, uh, they had freaking Jared reaching out to Rupert Murdoch, <laughs> trying to get him to change the the result it, like like Rupert cares. And the and but this was a reminder to me because people always forget this. The Jared Kushner, Jared and Ivanka are really good friends with Wendy Ding who is uh, Rupert's ex-wife. Okay. And she's, okay, so she was, uh, she's Chinese, um, uh, although, like, she's an American citizen now or whatever, but she was the one who took the pie in the face for him um, when somebody, like, came and tried to, try to you know, like, pie him or whatever. Like, she stepped mm. in and, like, was kind of a, 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 a bamf that way. She's also, though, like... Wow, there's this amazing Vanity Fair article where during their very contentious divorce, like her diaries were leaked and apparently she was fucking Eric Schmidt of Google and Vladimir Putin. <laughs> and oh, and I, and I and I believe Tony Blair. Is that for um, real? For real? I Yeah, I'm like not even remotely joking. I'm going to find this and put this in the show notes because I'm 1000% I'm 1000% like not even joking. Huh. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. I yeah. guess it was the Vladimir Putin that threw me. Yeah, no, not even remotely. Like this is like a, uh, yeah, like so. So basically, Wendy Ding note Google CEO so much uglier than Tony Blair. This was a thing that literally came from her diary, and then there was also like things with like Vladimir Putin. Yeah, no, this this. I, I wish that I were joking with this. I am not. Anyway, she um, has been friends with the Kushner family for years and years and years. Like even. Uh, Josh Kushner, who's apparently like the quote unquote good one, um, like has like credits her as sort of helping make his business career. 
anyway, the, 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 that whole family is so screwed. But uh, anyway, so so he's calling Murdoch, even though, let's be real, he's really way closer with Murdoch's ex-wife. And and he's like trying to get it changed, like because, you know, he's Jared and Jared can get can get it changed as if Rupert cares. Uh, and, 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 and as if Lachlan's going to care, you know what I mean? Like, dude, they're not they're not changing. They're not going to interfere with the with the decision desk stuff. Um, this is the same decision desk that when they called, I, bu- I believe it was Ohio for Obama in 2012, Carl Rove threw a temper tantrum on set and Megan Kelly had to walk down to the decision desk to get answers because she was mad at Carl Rove. And so she took the cameras with her and like went through the bowels of like the back hallways of Fox News to like have a conversation with the decision desk and then bring them on so that they could debate. And that moment, which look, I hate Megan Kelly, but it was genuinely fantastic television. Like it was even now I, I rewatched it. And I shared it with somebody this week and I was and they were like, Wow, that was good. I was like, yeah, no, that was genuinely good television. And that was what made Megyn Kelly a star. Uh, So, you know, um, there's a history of Fox calling things for people who are not on their side, because as with all major news organizations, the people who call the decisions are separate from the news organizations themselves. There is a literal Chinese wall. So. I thought that was just hilarious, you know, just when when that was called. But then Georgia became like this nail biter. And because I'm from Georgia and because it was Metro Atlanta, which is literally where I grew up, that became kind of like the deciding thing on stuff. I was in like this surreal moment where I'm seeing Gwinnett County and DeKalb County and Cobb County and Clayton County and, and even Henry County, although... Honestly, that's questionable if that's part of the metro area. They claim it is. It's not, you know, and and stuff like that, like being mentioned on TV regularly. And I was like dawning on me that it's my former classmates that are going to be making the decision (laughs) in this state. And I've never been more scared in my life. And and to be totally honest, what actually scares me more is because, you know, uh, we uh, Biden won by by quite a number of states, right? Like it wasn't a, a 271, 269 situation, right, which right. it looked like it could have been at one point, yeah. right? Like it, that, that, that did seem likely. And then we were all going to be like, thank God for Nebraska. But, <laughs> um, but the Senate, there are two runoffs in Georgia. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I, I've already donated a bunch of money to the, the campaigns. I will continue to donate more. And I'm trying to figure out like what the best way is to do that. Cause you know, you're limited by, campaign contributions for individual candidates so but but you can do more for super PACs and and stuff like that so i'm trying to figure that stuff out but uh you know it is a runoff election in january you're not going to have a lot of people come out and i say this as a as a former georgia voter because i never once voted in a runoff ever uh and i consider myself to be very civically like woke sure and it never never went for a runoff are you kidding me like that's just a pain in the ass so um, maybe in an era of vote by mail, if that's still going to be a thing or other stuff, that would be easier. My mom did say when she voted that she was able to check online and find out from the polling stations like what the weight was Yeah. before she went in and that they seemed, at least in Gwinnett County, to have it together. Gwinnett County, which went blue, which shocking because I was like – I had this deep fear. I was like, if Gwinnett County, which is where I grew up, if Gwinnett County goes 
like is what loses Georgia for us. I was like, I, A, <laughs> that would be the most. very personally? Well, I wouldn't take it personally because I left for a reason, but it would just be the most Gwinnett County thing to ever happen. Mm. Um, so I never voted in Gwinnett County. I um, I moved, uh, you know, um, I, I wasn't able to vote in the 2000 election. And by the time 2004 happened, I was in college and I um, was living in the city of Atlanta. So I voted I voted in Fulton County, which goes uh, blue. But growing up in Gwinnett County and knowing who our representatives were and knowing all the things about those local politics, like very intimately. Yeah, honestly, seeing that shift blue, seeing Cobb County go blue was massive. I don't think people and I don't expect them to. But, you know, uh, to kind of put it in perspective. So at one point, like for God, for a million million years, Cobb's um, congressman uh, and it wasn't just for Cobb. It was for a whole other area actually wound up being, you know, like my uh, voting district, too, because it extended past Cobb County. A thing to know about Georgia is that other than Texas, which is obviously significantly larger in physical size, Georgia has the most counties of, of any state in the union. So it's counties upon counties upon counties. And and, and the, the lines can be really, really nefarious. Like I lived in Fulton County, but less than a quarter of a mile from where I lived was DeKalb County to the point where there was a road, Peachtree Dunwoody Road, which is depending on what part of the road you were on. And I'm not even talking about like a long stretch of it. I'm talking about like you're driving down like half a mile. And depending on where you are on that road depends on if you're in DeKalb or if you're in Cobb or not Cobb, if you're in DeKalb or if you're in Fulton. Um, like it, you know, it, 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 it is a is a cluster in that way. But um, the the sixth congressional district was Newt Gingrich's district. And so he was like the man there for forever uh, until he resigned um, in uh, uh, impropriety, you know, because he was having an affair after he'd led the whole impeachment hearings about Clinton having yeah. an affair. Uh, <laughs> but they uh, but it, that's always been a Republican stronghold, even though the area itself is is fairly like blue, that congressional district is incredibly red. It went in 2018 and then again in 2020 for um, a woman, uh, I can't think of her last name, but her son was killed by that, um, by that fat, um, like racist dude in, in Florida who was mad about the music being loud. Mm. Do you remember this? Yeah, vaguely. Okay. So yeah. So this, this guy, like, uh, fat he was in a gas station in Florida. <laughs> Well, that could be a lot of things, but no, but this was, this was like the day after Thanksgiving and these teenagers, like just total kids are, you know, they have their bass really loud and they're in a parking lot at a gas station and oh, he tells yeah. them to turn them and he tells them to turn the music down and they do. And then one of the kids gets kind of agitated, turns it back up again. And then he's like, you're not going to talk to me like that. And he pulls out his gun and he starts shooting at the car yeah. and he kills the 17 year old kid. And then, and then he tries to use stand your ground laws. Oh, they had a gun or a stick or something. They didn't have anything. Yeah. None of these kids had records. He's in jail for the rest of his life. But anyway, his mother ran for Congress and she beat out the Republican incumbent and then she won again this term. Uh, the Republican, the uh, former Republican, you know, uh, uh, person at the seat ran against her. She lost a second time. So sucks to be you, Karen Handel. <laughs> um, but but like that's like insane to me because I'm like Dunwoody, Sandy Springs, like uh, parts of of East Cobb. Like this is not blue in the slightest, right? Like these are like these are like wealthy, you know, suburban like. 
yeah, that, that is not what you think. And so seeing all these counties come in, even though it was really close, was both really exciting and then it's sinking in. I'm like, OK, because we've got to do a runoff with the Senate. The future of the Senate is literally going to come down to Georgia. And once again, my former you know, classmates and I'm like terrified. That was a that was a really long Georgia rant. Yeah, sorry about that. I, meanwhile, am living in uh, Minnesota, which has been blue for uh, as long as I can remember, since the 60s. Uh, But for the last, what, 12 years, maybe longer, we have been the only blue state in this area of the Midwest. Like, we have been an island in a sea of red. And I've always been proud to live in Minnesota. Uh, If 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 it were if it went red, I very likely would move um, and further concentrate all of the votes in small districts. But um, this year, we're back. We're back to being a wall of blue. Uh, we yeah. have we have Michigan and Wisconsin and Illinois, and we we there's actually blue in the middle of the country now. And I'm not just uh, all alone here, which feels it, like I have uh, I've had a what do you call it? Uh, vendetta? No, a resentment for Wisconsin for a long time now because they're so similar to Minnesota, yet yep. so different. Yep. And they did elect a, a Democratic governor, but they've always gone red in elections. So it is really good to feel uh, some brotherly, sisterly love for Wisconsin again. Uh, that won't matter to anyone living on the coast, but for those of us in the Midwest, uh, it's it's nice to not be upset with Wisconsin. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, Wisconsin and freaking Nebraska, right? Yeah, like right. again, <laughs> like I, you know, because because they have split votes the same as as a couple of other states, and the fact that we got that one seat in Nebraska, honestly, when things were looking really really tight, you know, I was doing the math. I was like, okay, if we lose Pennsylvania. If we lose Georgia, if we lose all these others, as long as we can get Arizona, Nevada, then Nebraska will be the thing that will put him over. And and that was a shock. But, yeah, Michigan came through. Uh, Minnesota came through. Wisconsin. Like, I would be very proud if I were you that, that things seem to be changing. I mean, certainly I'm in my bizarre Pacific Northwest bubble where um, – the count was so fast. Well, for a couple of reasons. One, we've been voting by mail for I don't know how many years. It's been it predates me living in, right. in the state of Washington. But we've been voting by mail for a really long time. So even though they will count all votes that come in by 8 p.m. on Election Day uh, or that are postmarked on Election Day, um, many of them come in weeks earlier. So yeah. and, and they're allowed, unlike Pennsylvania and some others, they're allowed to start counting earlier. So. Yeah. It was one of those things where they called Oregon first because Oregon is a much smaller state. But then like almost immediately after, you know, it was called for for Washington. It wasn't even a question. Right. And no, yeah. no, nobody in Washington is, is going to uh, take issue with that. Uh, I think that there was apparently one contentious like uh, governor election that that they claimed made vote by mail look bad. A decade ago, I don't know. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, all, but, all of the all of the examples of of male voter snafus are like a decade old. Or, exactly. Or they were, or they were small, small glitches that happened in small elections. Right, right. I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, and and that's also the thing where 
I, again, I don't go on Facebook, but when I was trying to kind of correct the record when I could, when I would see family members posting stuff about how, ta how bad mail-in voting is. And I'm like, hi, I live in a state that does nothing but mail-in voting. It's actually pretty great. And then they would try to like, you know, okay, but actually, I'm like, no, but actually, this is how it works. And it's pretty awesome. And then when you would tell them about it, they'd be like, oh, that, that, that does seem better. Oh, so, so you get your, your voter guide. And then a few weeks later, you get your ballot. And, and you can mail it right back, postage free, or there are drop boxes all over the city and the county that you can drop them off in and you're just done. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Oh, and there's also a tracking thing where you can track to make sure that there's not a problem with your ballot. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty great. The this is maybe the way that we should do things. The Shocker. fact the fact that Republicans are so against mail-in voting simply speaks to the fact that if more people vote, this yes. like our country is bluer than we're allowed to like our election results don't show public opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, but I would also say it, if we look at the results, because more people voted in this election than ever voted before, and which is great, but also, you know, not everything went our way. We didn't sure. pick up Senate yeah. seats. Yeah, congressional, um, the congressional elections, I feel like, I mean, part of it is is just districting, but yep. part of it is, I think there were a good number of people who honestly couldn't stand Trump, but couldn't stand to vote Democrats, so they thought... If they put in a Democratic president but kept the Senate red, mm -hmm. that they could just gridlock it until something better came along. No, and I can see that. But I could also see the, the argument. And honestly, I uh, don't have a problem with this. I mean, even though it goes against, I think, my interests and the interests of, of almost every person in our country, I don't have a problem with the fact that let's just have more people voting. Yeah. If more people are voting... If it comes out to be like disadvantageous to my side, okay, so be it. You yeah, know, but, like but honestly, at least a democracy. Exactly, because the thing is, is what bothers me is that it's so such a clear kind of thing about voter suppression, and and yeah. that's really what it's about. The the reason that that the Republicans are against mail in voting is because it is an extension of Jim Crow laws and gerrymandering mm -hmm. and voter suppression. And there was I'll I'll see if I can find it to put it in the show notes, but there was a really good article. I think it was in the Atlantic. It might have been in the New York Times Magazine about kind of the history of um, voting rights acts um, being um, rolled back and actually showing that Republicans used to historically be very in favor of voting rights acts. And it used to be kind of a understood and kind of like a gimme thing that anybody would do for their own electoral reasons until I guess around 2008 when, or maybe around the Tea Party era when it started shifting and you started to see these pushbacks. And, and, but but what I, all I'm trying to get at is is that it's this misnomer that is to say, honestly, uh, I do think it's a misnomer to say, well, if more people vote, they're going to vote blue. That might be true, but that's not necessarily true because we did see far more people vote in this election than we've ever had before. And that's significant. And I would much rather be in a place where more people vote, even if it doesn't go my way, than be in a place where we are limiting 
who yeah. is able to vote. Yeah, like, obviously, sure. you have to follow whatever the law is. Right. I'm not saying that. But I would I, I but voter suppression is a real issue. And if the Democrats or whatever party I support are going to lose, I would rather them lose on the merits and lose because everyone had the opportunity to vote and not lose because people couldn't actually have the opportunity to vote. Yeah. Or 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 their votes were nullified by by gerrymandering and redistricting. Exactly. I mean, and that's a much bigger issue. Uh, but but I think uh, and, and that obviously I think has, if we're being totally honest, much bigger consequences because local and state politics do impact a lot of things. But when we talk about national elections, you know, the, yeah. the things that that uh, prevent people from voting, because the thing is, is what we always see is that voter registration numbers go up. They go way, way up. But then the numbers of people who actually the percentage of people who are registered who actually do vote usually don't. And that was what was interesting about this election. For the first time, you saw a significant turnout. And I, I think that you can, there's no way that you can't draw the conclusion, even though there were some in-person voting numbers that were high, they were almost all for Republicans. Um, and, and they were able to get, you know, props to them, really good in-person turnouts. Like, I'm, I, I'm not going to criticize that. Like, game respects game. They had really impressive in-person turnouts, but you had a lot of people who voted by mail, voted in other ways, who might were able to get absentee ballots, who might not have otherwise have taken time or maybe even had the ability to be part of the process because you don't get time off of work. You have to wait yeah. in long lines. It's it's painful. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't have certain things filled out, then you have to go back. Like, am I at the right polling place? Am I not? Like when I voted once in Brooklyn, like I was at the wrong polling place and I had to do a like a, a you know, um, what do they call them? Like the provincial, um, you know, uh, provisional ballots and then you know you have to you have to go and like sign something and get it fixed and um that's not an uncommon situation and so when you take those barriers away which shocker most other countries in the world have done then what do you know like voter turnout percentage is, is higher yeah. um I, I i am firmly against making it mandatory uh, that might be unpopular, but I, I am I am actually very against making voting mandatory. That that gets a little bit too too, too, too totalitarian for my liking. Um, I think that every person should vote, but I also respect the you know choice that people might want to make to opt out of the process. That said, I do feel like if you haven't been part of the process, I don't want to hear you complaining. Like that doesn't mean that you don't get to benefit from the services, yeah. but I just personally don't want to hear you bitching and moaning on Twitter or Facebook or on public radio, as I sometimes hear people say, oh, well, I didn't vote, but I'm like, okay, well then shut up, you know? So we've, we've got 35 minutes of election talk. Yeah, we're that's, done. That's pretty good, but my ADHD has kicked in. Yep, same. Speaking of... Not, not to change the subject too abruptly, no, let's, but no, let's I, do it. I had a question from a listener who we, we have effectively scared <laughs> because like we've talked about how hard it is to get meds and how hard it is to find doctors and and they think they have ADHD. Uh, they're mm -hmm. they're fairly certain through self-diagnosis, but they're yep. unsure of what to do next. So, OK. I wanted to talk about our own personal experiences with getting diagnosed and yeah. and getting treatment. So for me, mm -hmm. where I live, there's only one clinic that will do the ADHD testing. Um, and and as far as I know, this is true everywhere. But what that involved was going in and 
doing uh it's not a written test there there's a lot of question and answer but then there's also like uh there's this test where that you sit in front of a screen and it starts flashing letters and i can't remember exactly how it works but you hit the space bar for every letter except certain ones and it's it's pretty simple but it tests like how quickly your attention shifts basically it'll like give you the same thing hit space bar hit space bar hit space bar and then surprise you and if you just hit the space bar you like it it makes a note and uh then the long like basically yes or no test and then there's a thing they send home that you have to have uh, a loved one or like a parent in cases of of young people um they fill out a questionnaire and then there is the third part, uh, just an interview with a psychiatrist that kind of goes over your your history and your um, things like your emotional reactions and your emotional range, things like that, that are indicative of ADHD. And once you get through all that, which, by the way, I had to pay for out of pocket and cost like eight hundred dollars, but a lot of insurance will cover it. Mm -hmm. uh, once you get through all that, they give you a diagnosis either way. And then that's what you need to take to a psychiatrist, because in this modern era of of drug abuse and and uh, 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 service providers being scared to do anything without that diagnosis, you probably can't get treatment. But with it, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, okay. So interestingly, okay. So my experience is totally different. Oh, uh, although, do tell. I, although I bet yours is more common into what it is. Okay. So with the caveat, so when were you diagnosed with ADHD? Just a couple of years ago. Okay. All right. So I was diagnosed in the olden days. I was diagnosed like 17 years ago and um, shit longer than that, actually like 20 years ago. And uh, although Originally, I believe I was given the diagnosis, even though I might not have had the diagnosis. I was given the medication for um, like an off-label usage, right? Yeah. So I was taking antidepressants, and then they were giving me um, dexedrine. Uh, I think they might have started with with um, um, what was the one that everybody used before Adderall? Ritalin. Yes, they might have given me Ritalin um, and, and then switched it to dexedrine uh, as kind of to counteract the uh, side effects of my antidepressants, which were making me really tired. Yeah. And I was not on uh, SSRIs, which are uh, um, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which are the most common types of antidepressants. I was on an older type of antidepressant because my body at that time couldn't really deal with SSRIs. And one of the side effects of them was that it made you tired and, and, and lacked focus and some other things. Um, although I was already starting to exhibit real ADHD symptoms for the first time in my life. So my background, not to get too long into it, but it was a, it was a big shock for me when even in college, when I finally got the diagnosis, because up until I would say about the age of 15, I was probably the quintessential non ADHD person. Um, I, I had OCD tendencies and I was a high perfectionist, but I didn't have any problems really with concentration. I didn't have problems getting things done on time. I was, you know, uh, fairly, I would say stereotypical type a incredibly neat organized, like 
the point where, you know, things were out of place or whatever, like that would really bother me, hmm. you know, and, and then something in my biochemistry switched around the time I hit puberty and I hit puberty late. Um, and I, for a long time, sort of not blamed it, but I guess associated it with Paxil because when I went on Paxil, it, it I suddenly started to have like textbook ADHD symptoms. Yeah. Uh, but even when I got off of the Paxil and I went on to Wellbutrin and then I went on like, like 15 other things, sure, it was terrible. Sure. I've been um, it, yeah. it, right. You, I think, think most, most people have, like it went into different stuff, but for me, so my first shrink who kind of diagnosed me that way, he was just kind of giving it to me for kind of an off label thing. And then my, my current shrink who I've been with since I was, uh, uh 20. So I've been with him for 17 years he gave me the interview test and I didn't ever have the hit the space bar thing. And I didn't ever have, um, you know, like the, the questionnaire that, you know, people around you fill out. Maybe my parents might have been interviewed. I'm not sure. But he, my psychiatrist did the interview and asked me questions and observed me and had me journal and kind of go through things. And his practice, he focuses on a lot of things, but one of his actual like focus areas like he's written books about it and and is is known as kind of like one of the the experts in the field of ADHD in children and uh so he diagnosed me when I was 20 yeah and 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 you know continued me on kind of my medical um regimen and and, and I've tried different things I was I was on um provisional for a long time which was amazing and then, um, you know, we've, I've tried to be on Vyvanse, which for whatever reason does not work for me. So I've stayed on on the Dexedrine. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. When I moved to Washington State, I needed to get back on my meds. I'd, I'd ghosted my shrink, which is dumb. Um, I, I, I saw that, but I'd ghosted him for a while and I needed to get back on medication. And I went into uh, just kind of meeting with a, a GP and told her what my symptoms were, told her other stuff, told her that I had a diagnosis, but she didn't check. <laughs> and she gave me, you know, scripts. I was able to get three months worth of um, Dexedrine. And after that point, if I were to continue to get scripts from them, then they would have need to have had a conversation with my doctor back home who had the diagnosis, or I guess I would have had to be re-diagnosed. Uh, although I wouldn't have to, had to go through that. Um, and because my doctor can just mail me my script and I live in a state that will fill out of state prescriptions, not every state will, yeah. but mine will, because this is a schedule too. So it, there are different, um, like rules around that. They do, the, the pharmacy does have to call the, the doctor's office to make sure that it's correct. Although I have been saved by some very nice pharmacists in the past who, when I've been running really low and it's going to be, I'm not going to have it and they need to make a call where they've just gone ahead and filled it for me. God You've bless had really people. good luck with that. I have had really good luck with that. Not to mention I had people when I was in Atlanta and my insurance wouldn't cover certain stuff who just magically would give me a few extra pills. <laughs> Our experiences are so different. <laughs> they are. But I, but but this is, I think, important, right? Because I don't want to freak people out one way or another. You probably are not going to have my really good experiences in terms of pharmacists and stuff like that. But you're also probably not going to have Brett's experiences well, of having only one person who can diagnose you. So like I, my original, when I first started taking ADHD medication, uh, was actually in my thirties and that was, it was prescribed by a GP and 
uh, it, it, it was a really easy process. I told him what was up. He said, I think, uh, uh, Focalin could help you. Or actually he put me on Adderall and I requested a change to Focalin and all that was super easy back then. Uh, and in the 10 years since then, things have changed, uh, at least in Minnesota, things have gotten significantly yes. more, uh, strict about having yes. tested diagnosis and everything. Definitely. And then I will say it depends on what state you're in and also like who your insurance is through and stuff like that. Cause like I do know in Washington state, because I've walked through this process with friends. So even though I haven't gone through this process myself, I have gone through this process in Washington state with friends as well as, um, uh, you know, um, uh, Oregon state and, and, um, California, um, with people. Cause a, a friend of mine in California was, was diagnosed with ADHD. I'll have to ask her if she had to go through the test, but it wasn't a big deal. It was one of those things where they're going to ask you questions. And if you really know that you're ADHD, like if you really feel strongly about it, there are ways to answer those questions that will ensure or maybe not ensure, but will definitely lead to the, the psychiatrist we, giving you a diagnosis. We absolutely do not recommend looking up the answers if you're not actually ADHD because it fucks it up for the rest of us. I agree. And, and I'm not in no way trying to say to do that. But but what I am saying is that if you have an inkling, if you're if you're not sure going to a psychiatrist to do it. I haven't done those tests and I don't know if every state has those tests. You might have to do it. The, the biggest thing though, is you need to meet with a psychiatrist yeah. and, and, and you need to talk with them. And, um, I'm lucky in that my psychiatrist is also my therapist, which is a very rare thing and is fairly uncommon. But if you can find a psychiatrist who also does therapy, that can really be key because A, they can give you the diagnosis and the prescriptions, but B, they can also talk to you and they have a little more of, I guess, like the, you know, um, the empathy and, and, and the, uh, the soft skills, so to speak, so that it's not just because a lot of times what will happen is that you have a separate therapist and a separate psychiatrist and the psychiatrist is just writing you scripts and they're just kind of looking at the data and they don't really know you or know anything about you and they're maybe listening to what your, you know, reactions have been, but, but they don't really care, you know, yeah. like that, uh, Grant called his in New York doctor worksheet yeah, and, right. and that's basically what that is. And so if you can find someone who can do both and, and that's not easy, but no, if you can, not. if you can, that's ideal. Um, but the bigger thing I would say is you just need to find a psychiatrist and you need to go in for an appointment and you need to tell them how you're feeling. And what I would say is, Obviously, in, in no way are we recommending or encouraging, because as you say, it ruins it for everyone. Don't look up the answers to the test in advance. But what I would look up is you can look up the, the checklist of symptoms and you can figure out, do these things apply to me? Yeah. And what I would start doing is I would start taking notes. This is what I've, I've encouraged my friends who, after talking to me and hearing my experiences, they're like, maybe I have this. And I'm like, look, I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose anything. But if you are having these things, I would, I would take copious notes, write things down, and I get it. That's hard to do when you're ADHD, <laughs> but do it anyway, but, but, but force yourself to do it anyway. Make notes of stuff. Even make notes about the fact that it's hard for you to take the notes, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and going through the course of the day, you know, comment on it's hard for me to switch tasks or it's hard for me to stay on task or it's hard for me to, you know, uh, follow a conversation and, and remember where I am in something. And some of the stuff, frankly, every single person on the planet suffers to one extent to another. It just comes down to the severity of it. Yeah. The thing I would say too, and I'm curious from your perspective on this, but 
ADHD in adults, we're finally getting better about it. And we're finally getting better about diagnosing people with it. But for such a long time, it really was one of those things that was almost exclusively diagnosed in childhood. Yeah, I still that, I still run into that. I've had uh, I've had RNs, not psychiatrists, but RNs tell me that adults don't have ADD and that I, I wouldn't be medicated for it. Yeah, um, that's disappointing and sad and scary. Uh, fortunately, that's starting to change. But you're right, that stigma still exists. It's gotten a lot better. I think part of the reason it's gotten better is that more people are willing to talk about it. Uh, I think what's also happened is that the kids who were diagnosed and yeah, many of them probably were overly diagnosed. I, I don't disagree with that. I do feel like in the 90s, there was this push to diagnose every single person as ADHD um, uh, or, or ADD before they you know, stopped separating right, right, the right. two. And um, that that was like kind of the thing. Every every kid who had even the slightest amount of, of balance in their step or couldn't focus on something or boredom was now an ADHD child. And that's just not the case. But what's happened with that is that even if you take those, even if you accept that there was an overdiagnosis, and I personally think there was, A, many of the people who were you know, diagnosed incorrectly are no longer on medication and that isn't an issue. But B, the people who really were, who've gone on to be, you know, successful or at least you know, by what, and by successful, I mean, you know, they are living their lives. Like they're yeah. not like destitute. You know what I mean? Like, like they're not necessarily they're rich, but they are able to live a normal human life. Yeah, exactly. What's happened is that those people are now in their thirties or their forties. And so that completely erases this myth that it's only children because right. you do see it in adults. And then you also see it increasingly in, um, and again, this, this comes down to where you live and what sort of bubble you're in, but Tech workers, it's an incredibly common diagnosis. Uh, is part of it medication shopping? You know what? I bet part of it is. I think it's a small part, to be totally honest. I don't think it's as big of a part as people would think. I think that the the kind of, uh, like I guess, like cliche of like the, you know, engineer, software programmer who's getting high on Adderall is really overblown. Yeah. I think there's like some truth to that, but it's very, very small. Instead, what tends to happen is that um, a lot of people are probably like you and I and that um, we're relatively high functioning. And um, like, I, I know I am anyway, like I'm, I'm high functioning AD, ADHD and, and without medication, because I've proven this to myself, again, do not recommend, dumbest thing I've ever done, where I was able to basically live life and 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 do relatively what I needed to get done. But it was a struggle. It wasn't easy. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I had to hide it all the time and I had to overcompensate all the time. And it took a tremendous amount of work that would be much easier if I just had medication and the proper support, right? Yeah. But um, I think that's what, what makes it hard sometimes in adults is that people think, oh, well... This isn't debilitating to the point that I can't get anything done. Right. So therefore, I don't have this. That's not true. Yeah. There, like there things, are levels of it. Things can just be harder than they should be. Like exactly. a lot of people can. Uh, well, and there are people who, who choose not to take medication and, and go the therapy route. And you can accomplish uh, a certain amount with with therapy, uh, you can. behavioral modification, uh, exercise, diet, and meditation, like those are all things that for some people 
can help them get through. Uh, but medication just it makes things way, way easier. Uh, and and really that's does. not to say that one has to be instead of the other. Uh, no. Like learning about, uh, uh, what do they call it? C C B Cognitive behavior. CBT. Learning CBT, about. Yeah. Cog cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Right. Which, which ironically, I was first going on when I was like 16 in like 1999. Um, that can be really effective. The only thing I will ever stress to anybody about cognitive behavioral therapy, and this is less for ADHD, where I think it can be really effective. This is more for depression. If you're so severely depressed that you can't get out of bed, like you're at that level, cognitive therapy is not going to help you, uh, no matter what the doctors say. You probably need some sort of medication to get you past that point, and then you can – and look, that doesn't mean you have to stay on it forever. You can go off of it. But if you're like literally at at that, like, I cannot physically get out of bed point, CBT is more than likely not going to help. Right. That said, because I do do some cognitive behavioral therapy stuff and I do do talk therapy and whatnot, like it's a do core do. part of, of my treatment. I, I said you do. <laughs> but like I, it's like a core part of my personal kind of regime is incredibly beneficial. So, yeah, you don't have to go on medication. That's that's I think that's a great point you point out. Uh, but also I think that, um, you know, it's going to vary state by state, but talking to a psychiatrist is the first thing yeah. it, who your insurance company is and like what network you're in is another thing. Again, like I'm so insanely lucky that I live in, um, a city that, you know, is, uh, congregated by, you know, wealthy tech workers. And that means that there are a lot more opportunities and I guess less of a stigma around um, diagnoses, not just for ADHD, but for depression and, and for people who are bipolar, for people who have anxiety or other sorts of stuff, right? Uh, the more, I think, rural you get, the harder it is to find a doctor. And I think the more specialized you are, like I, uh, and I'm sure this is much different now, but when I was first like starting to exhibit really, really bad signs of depression. When I was 13, there were only a handful of um, child psychiatrists um, in, the, in the city of Atlanta, like in the metro area, and, and that th specialized specifically in children for things like depression. There were a lot of people who did stuff with ADHD, but for depression, there weren't a lot. And I went through them, and most of them were terrible, honestly. Uh, and... Um, that's the that's the other thing I would get too is that some of the stuff we're saying I know seems scary and like daunting. Um, I don't want to freak anybody out from trying, but I do just want to prepare. You might get super lucky and you might be able to just walk in and get an appointment with someone and have them give you a diagnosis and start getting on meds and trying out to see what works for you. And God, I hope that that's how that works. If it's not what happens. I really encourage people, especially if you feel like you've got a problem and you feel like something's not right, to keep at it. And I know that can be demoralizing. I know it can be hard. And I know that it can be disruptive to your life. But gosh, is it important. Yeah, for sure. Um, you've given away your age twice in this episode. I know. Okay. I know. But, but, I'm, but I'm 29. So. <laughs> for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like, I feel like we might've helped somebody. 
hope so. If you have other questions, if you want to, you can contact with any of us like directly. Like um, I'm always happy to talk to people in DMs or via email. Um, uh, or, or you could chat with us in our Discord, like not publicly, but like in private, like one-on-one -on -one stuff um, or, or email, like genuinely. Um, I, I, I'm not going to like put, put bread on blast for that. But like, No, that's fine. You can always contact me. Uh, I'm TT Scoff on Twitter, and definitely the Discord is a great place to find us. Yeah, I'm Film Underscore Girl on Twitter, and I'm on the Discord, and you can email me, Christina, at Christina.is. Um, but yeah, I mean, if people have questions, uh, go through it. That is interesting about like the the pressing the button test. I wonder how I would do about how I would do with that. There's a part of me that feels like I might pass that test. You know <laughs> well, what I mean? You'd be surprised unmedicated because uh, I consider myself to have pretty good reflexes. But yeah, I, I, I pretty much flat out failed that test. That's interesting. Now, now I kind of want to take it just to see what it would be like. But yeah, I mean, I probably would fail. It's just it just differs. Everybody's everybody's thing is different. Yeah. That's why the, the tests are so kind of expansive, because not only are they, are they testing for ADHD, they're testing for what type of ADHD you have, whether it's inattentive or it's the other one, hyperactive. Um, and so there's a lot of like it covers a lot of bases. So, it yeah, I, I think the testing is even if you're not going to go on medication, getting that diagnosis and knowing what you're dealing with is is a great first step. No, I totally agree. Even if you don't want to go on medication, you want to do other stuff, just know what you're dealing with. And and frankly, also, uh, like real talk, it is an ADA thing, right? Like th this is considered a, a disability and means you can get special provisions. You don't have to take advantage of them. You don't have to note it for your employer if you're not comfortable with that. But it does mean that if you have a diagnosis, there are provisions that your employer has to make for you. Like there are accommodations that they have to make for you. Um, like I never took advantage of any of the stuff with standardized tests or any of that, although maybe I should have, um, you know, I, I never did any of that stuff. And, and again, this is one of those things where I feel like the, so many people it's overblown how that's abused. And, and I, I think that that rhetoric is actually really dangerous because I don't think it's abused very often, but it's also one of those things where, yeah, if depending on, you know, like there are things that are like required by at least in the United States by the Americans with the Disabilities Act, where your employers have to make certain concessions and provisions and, and accommodations for you um, if, if you have a diagnosis. And I didn't that's, know that. yeah, yeah. And, and that's true whether you have, whether or not you're on medication or not. I mean, and that can be things in terms of, you know, needing to have more time to do certain tasks or having, you know, differences in your schedule or other stuff like there there are a number of things or or being able to if you say hey it's I, I get really distracted with certain things and these sorts of you know communication styles or whatever we're doing really distracts me and and finding ways to work around that there are a lot of things that can go into that and and those are things that um they have to make a reasonable um uh, you know attempt to accommodate that doesn't mean that they can change everything but they have to make a reasonable attempt so and, the, and those are mandated right like that that that's like this is like federal law like this is yeah something that that's very important and i and i also to be totally candid um and then we'll we'll stop this i know we're basically out of time but uh, I think it's important that if you would get benefit from those services that more people use because it shuts down the stigma. And and also it's one of those things that if someone tries to fire you or hurt your career in some way because of your diagnosis, 
that is a mass like um not to say that it can't happen and that it won't ha- and that it doesn't happen sometimes but what i am saying is that is what we would call a slam dunk um uh like eeoc which is the you know employee whatever like council that that's equal employment you know uh sure. whatever the, the other the, that that is that is a slam dunk uh what we would call like like legal case in terms of getting a a a settlement for yeah. for something yeah Good information. I actually didn't know about the whole ADA thing. That's uh, I, not that I have an employer to worry about, but right. Yeah. But, it, but 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 if but if you know, and I don't think that it applies for like freelance stuff. But if you were to take like a a, a job someplace else, yeah, know that. Like, hey, this is something that I have. It's and it's real. I think that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with. Don't you think yeah. that they don't they don't feel like it's real? Like even if they have a diagnosis, oh, they're totally. like, okay, but they're like, oh, but this isn't a real thing. Right. No, this is a real thing. No, this it is. is it is one of the most well documented and researched uh, mental illnesses or uh, handicaps that uh, you'll find in the uh, what's that book that nurses use? Uh, the DSM. Yeah, like it diagnosis more the diagnosis statistical manual. Yeah. yeah, more research has been done on ADD than almost any other ailment. Uh, it it is a real thing and it has real effects. Yep. So our show notes are going to be really short. Like basically the only thing we've talked about that I could easily link is the uh, the Wendy Dang, Ding, Dang, Dang. Yep. Ding, Ding. Um, <laughs> is, uh, her, her story. Uh, and uh, we can do some general links for uh, Georgia elections and ADHD diagnosis. But yeah, it's going to oh, be yeah. short notes. Short note, sorry about that, uh, went on a tangent. Also, anybody who has the um, interest in donating, and I'm certainly not trying to tell people what to do or not, but if you want to donate to the any of the PACs or whatever for the two recall races in Georgia for the Senate, that would be awesome. Yeah. Do you, do you have links for that? Yeah, I will get links for that. Awesome. Um, uh, oh, there, actually, there's one thing that's really funny. So you know the whole, okay, we're going to go a little bit long, but we have to talk about it because it's too funny. Did you see the four seasons total yes. lawn? <laughs> and and I saw an explanation that said it it was very intentional because this was a, a good example of, of a successful American business. Bullshit. Uh, small business. Yeah, no, that was... That was pretty clearly uh, just a, a fuck up on uh, on their event planner's part. Massive. Somebody Googled. They got the wrong place. They called the place who took the call, who they seem like OK enough people. Um, uh, like, I think they're Trump supporters. So I'm not going to like they said they said we would have we would have welcomed any any politician. Yeah. That's what they said. So. Yeah, which 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 fair, right? And and I have to imagine somebody calls and they're like, "We want to do this outside your place," and you're like, "Okay, cool. In yeah, our, we'll take the in money." In our driveway, sure. Exactly, right? Like, I mean, you know, and and I mean, who's who's going? Who's to correct Rudy Giuliani's people? They show, and then what what happened is because they tweeted the wrong thing, the Four Seasons Philadelphia very quickly was able to be like, "We are not doing this." Yeah. So at this point, you don't have any other option. Now, had it been like Trump. Or had it been somebody who was maybe higher up the ranks than than Rudy, I think that they would have postponed and found right. an actual hotel. <laughs> like, but because it's Rudy, it was, just... it's Rudy, whatever. So it's great. But there's this uh, thing um, on uh, 
Threadless, uh, somebody created, so th that company now has official merch, which good for them. But somebody created a shirt that has uh, gritty on a lawnmower uh, is what it looks like. Or, or, or if not a, a lawnmower, then like a Jamboni. I don't know. He's on like a four wheeler. And, and it says, welcome to Four Seasons, Total Landscaping, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not the Four Seasons um, uh, Hotel Philadelphia. It's a funny shirt. It's $25 and all the money is going towards the um, Georgia um, uh, um, runoff elections. So if you want to get funny merch there, that's one. And then the official Total Landscaping uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping also has official merch, which I'm also considering <laughs> buying uh, because I I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, but I buy merch of fucked companies or of funny things. Like that's a thing that I do. Did you know this about me? No, I I, I don't think I did. Okay, so like I have a Movie Pass T-shirt, and I bought a Quibi shirt. And I have Fire Festival merchandise that I got way before they had the auction for the Fire Festival stuff. Uh, I got mine way cheaper. I was not going to pay those auction prices. Um, and I have uh, I have like a an Enron mug somewhere. And anyway, I, I collect fucked company stuff. And so I think <laughs> that that this would this is if I could get an actual Four Seasons thing that might be um, uh, funny. Um, I'll get you a Bitwriter T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> old uh, joke. Old joke. No, well, well, okay, true story, and then, then we'll, we'll stop. When Trump first announced his candidacy, you know, when we all thought it was going to be a joke, and before I was watching one of the first debates with, and and I, I'm going to sound like such an asshole, but I don't care. It was one of the most surreal slash coolest moments of my life. I was watching the first uh, Republican debate in 2015 with Dan Rather. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty cool. Honestly, it was. I was drinking a beer. He had some whiskey. I was drinking a beer. There were a bunch of us in in the office and and everybody was was, you know, in awe cuz it's Dan Rather. Right. And um I was of course spouting off like an asshole like I am and I was like I was like, I'm just calling it now, guys. He's going to win the nomination, this first debate. And everybody immediately jumps on me. And they're like, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about, this and that. And then Dan, who has his hearing aids in and, and has been kind of stoic this whole time, he was like, no, actually, I think she's right. And he goes on this whole thing to explain his reasons, which were much better reason than me, which was just <laughs> a gut reaction. Right. That's, that's my one Dan Rather thing. But before all that happened, before like it seemed like this was going to be a real thing, I almost bought a Make America Great hat because I was like, oh, would not would this be a great memento of such a hilarious and failed, you know, sad attempt at someone running for president? Yeah. Thank God. I Thank God I didn't because it would have just I would have had to burn it. I would have had to get rid of it. Like there's no way I could have kept it around. But but I wanted to do it because it like I, I love having mementos of that stuff. Um, but uh yeah. Uh, did you see Amy Sedaris' uh, instructions for things you can do with your your MAGA hat? No, I didn't. Uh, but we she, should link to she, that. She yes, I'll I'll make a note. Uh, she tweeted a diagram of how to turn it into a suppository. Ha 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 ha! Weirdly, weirdly, she spelled Vaseline wrong. She spelled it with an O. I don't know who who made this graphic. Like she may have just been retweeting it, but. 
Um, she spelled it with an O. And the weird part of that is there's a photoshopped Vaseline container with it spelled wrong. Like how hard would it have been to just grab a product image off of like target.com and use it, but they Photoshop. Why would you have to Photoshop a Vaseline? Like it doesn't make sense. So confusing, but also hilarious. That is hilarious. And, and actually my favorite thing about you, Brett is like that you're like thinking about like what in the hell is like why did they have to photo well, like, so why did they have to it photoshop? was pointed out to me on uh on mastodon uh the only person who noticed it was on mastodon and they they brought the question of up course. so i can't i can't take credit for being that anal retentive about uh about photoshop grammar but yeah i'm still on you're mastodon a, i was gonna say you're still on mastodon what server are you on um i'm on the easy dns server run by a, a libertarian that I often agree with and often disagree with, but he, he's a, uh, the guy who runs easy DNS is a, he, he follows privacy and security stuff, puts out a newsletter that's always informative, even if his, uh, his opinions don't always match up with mine. I like that. Yeah. I've, I've, this is the thing that I'm kind of hoping for the next four years is that you can go back into a place where like I can start consuming opinions of people who I don't agree with. Yeah, um, we'll see. In a way, well, we'll see. I mean, because the thing is, is I don't want to go, go full hog on that because I do actually like to engage in conversations with people that I don't agree with on things. Like I like to have other perspectives, but it's been really difficult for me to have any sort of discourse with like, pro-Trumpers well because we're getting different news like people right. bring up people bring up yeah but what about and it's a story you've never even heard and you have no way to fact check what they're saying and conversation has become nearly impossible because all the reasons I hate Trump they've never even heard and all the reasons they love Trump I've never even heard so we can't have a conversation about any particular topic it it's been it's been awful. The uh, the news bubbles have been killing discourse. Yeah, uh, we're we're going super long, but I do have like one last question. Have you talked to your to your parents since the election? Uh, I have. We did an amazing job of not talking about the election at all. Amazing. We talked about some coronavirus stuff, but even that, we keep the coronavirus conversations apolitical, like just about the facts. And and vaccines we talk about, but we don't talk about how Trump is to credit for vaccines. And yeah, no, uh, we we have civil discourse by completely avoiding politics, uh, almost to an extent where it seems impossible. I was in awe of our last Saturday breakfast. We 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 got through it as if nothing was happening. Yeah, I am. Um, I haven't talked to my parents uh, since since everything kind of happened and um i will obviously be talking to them this week for my birthday but it's been one of those things where i've i've been wanting to more my dad than anything i guess kind of give a, a break so to speak yeah. where i'm kind of like i'm like all right you know what we don't we don't need to get into this um <laughs> like i i i'm not going to rub this in your face even though you didn't have any problem kind of he, he didn't rub it in my face, but, you know, last time. But anyway, I, four years ago when this happened, it 
there were some not great conversations. Sure. So uh, I'm I'm hoping I'm just kind of wanting to avoid all that, especially since I can't see them. But um, yeah, I will. Uh, but I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that, that, that your parents, uh, that, like you've just been talking about anything but that and you've had good, good conversations. That's it, awesome. It's the only way. Um, I will say I'm about to send an email to my entire family suggesting maybe this isn't the Christmas for everyone to get together. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that uh, I mean, obviously you have COVID as your number one kind of reason there. Well, that's the only reason. I, I love it when my family all gets together. I have five nieces that I adore and, and look forward to seeing. But right now with with higher highest yet case counts in every single state. I know. This is not the time to be planning a December <laughs> gathering. I, we God. Just, my mom just called me this week to say, oh, this woman that I was counting offering with at the church just got diagnosed, uh, just got a positive test. And I just found out yesterday that my mom was negative. But I'm like, I- I- you're in contact. You, you can't keep your family safe. If you're that close to potential contacts and potential infections, uh, we just need to be responsible and and not get 15 people in a room. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, enough about family. This has been fun, Christina. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. And uh, I uh, next time we talk, I will have I will be the proud owner of an Xbox Series X. And so I can talk about that if anybody cares. I've ordered two PlayStation 5s, but unfortunately, neither of them is for me. So I'm going to be still waiting to try to get my own of that. But it's it's video game season. Oh, I'll also have my new uh, iPhone next time we talk. And there will be Apple Silicon Macs to talk about next time, too, if uh, we want to pretend to be a, a tech show in, in, in any capacity. The, the latter I can talk about. You're going to be talking to someone who hasn't owned a gaming system since... Well, I had an Xbox 360 that I never used, uh, but I haven't really played an arcade console since the Atari 2800. So you'll have to explain to me why why I give a shit. It'll be like our Taylor Swift conversations. Exactly, exactly. And and um, I I will search and see if there has been anyone who's made hour long um, videos about theme parks for Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, but, but, but for Xbox and PlayStation. But for, but for, yeah. Yep. Sounds good. I hope you get some uh, some non-Kalanopin assisted sleep. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down now.